Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the LES. This week we're in conversation with Kit Trigg. He chats to us about signing on to Universal, heading over to the States and he even brings a bit of live heat for us. Sit down and soak it up. This is episode 12 of Kit Trig. Yeah, we're going to get into it, but we'll start by asking you how, how you are. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, good, man. As always. Uh, what have you, like, I guess, what, what have you, you got your guitar in your hand. You've you been, have you been doing lessons? Is that right? Am I right in saying you've been uh, doing lessons? No, I've been, yeah, so I've been doing a few things. So, um, so I was writing with the band uh, uh, today, and then, yeah, I, like I was saying, I had, yeah, a meeting with, um, uh, the head of the label this afternoon and then taught a little guitar lesson and I was just uh, just doing a bit of writing before uh, before we started uh, the, the, what's it called, powwow? Is it, is it a powwow? What's the phrase? <laughs> like? The podcast. Yeah. Powwow. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the hangs, the chills, yeah. So is that's, that that's natural... the I put the guitar down, it's like a little distracting, like, is he going to break out into song? What's he going to do? Well, it's like I a com- comfort blanket, right? It's quite tempting. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess so. We'll start like you know you're talking about you've been you've been writing songs or whatever ready for the next album. Is that you're still in the phase now, aren't you, of, of finishing off? And how's that working? Like on your own, kind of you you sat in your room finishing yeah. off like writing bits. Is that how it works? Uh, it's a great question. Um. So, uh, I as like a I guess like a band leader have been kind of just like um <laughs> just like piloting the plane uh up up till uh up until you know like uh we haven't landed yet we're like if we're doing like the long haul flight from like london to lax like we're in i've taken the plane to like colorado so like there's still like there's still like just over an hour to go <laughs> and uh i'm gonna have like somebody else come in uh last minute because i'm gonna need like a little bit of a nap and then we'll land this thing together um, so, um, so yeah, so I've so I've basically written about thirteen kind of like complete songs to like take into the studio, like so they're kind of like work so like working level songs if that makes sense. So like we can take them in and we can track them as they are now, and that would be considered you know done or whatever. But um, a big thing that's been so fun in making this album is that there's this kind of like they're more than just like you know like good songs they're um there's something else going on with them and you know there's like i'll use the word like magic or like voodoo or like or spirit or whatever there's some kind of like one plus one equals three element to this and um uh a that's really inspiring but b it never feels like the song is finished so we're kind of going to wait until you know the final cut in you know assault and battery studios is done and um, and then that will be finished, you know, because that's kind of how it is. Like we've we've written them in a really loose, open, organic, um, uh, really sensitive way. Like there's been no thought involved. It's all been kind of feel based, um, and uh, yeah, it has resulted in like 
without a doubt, the best songs we've, we've ever written, or even kind of thought we could write. Um, and that's also to do with the support we've had. Like we've uh, recently been, been managed by Andy Morahan, who's the geezer who um, directed the music video for November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Um, and that's just one of like many ridiculous things he's done. But he, um, he's been in the game a long time and at the end of the day, his reason for getting up every morning is rock and roll. And that passion has like really rubbed off on all of us. And we're no longer just thinking about like, how do we play like you know, this festival? How do we do that? We're just thinking like, how can we make the best fucking music? Like, how can we like, what's the way to make the best fucking tunes possible? And it just comes from fun and jamming. And, um, but you can't, you need a bit of encouragement to know that you're doing a good thing. So we, he's been checking in on this quite regularly. And, um, whilst we're having, you know, productive fun, so to speak. But, um, so yeah, I've basically written to as good a standard as I can certify myself, 13 songs for the next album, but we are going to take uh, some producer's help in a couple of weeks, just to kind of like, just, you know, just uh, kick it into overdrive a couple more gears, if we can. And, um, and yeah, just track it nice and live. Uh, get some, yeah, get some possible singers in get some strings in, get, get a bigger sound kind of going. And um, yeah, hoping to make a really, really bloody big, big record. You say we <laughs> and us, who, who is in the band now? Because last time- Oh, I have um, I like really bad back. schizophrenia. So there's about 60 people living in the- No, 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 no. <laughs> and um, uh, me, my bass player and my drummer. So we're kind of starting things as like a Hendrix experience kind of trio. Um, and that will probably be the case for the majority of the live stuff uh, this year. We might upgrade to a slightly bigger sound live uh, next year. Um, but once we're in the studio, there's like, you know, we've written like piano arrangements for, you know, just to embellish some of the parts. And there's, um, there's an instrumental track, um, which if you want at the end of the end of the podcast, I can play you, which could be pretty fun. Don't know, yeah. Right? Yeah. Pretty cool. Exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it's a big scoop. <laughs> yeah, it'll, um, it's it's really cool. It's um it's called Soul Food, uh, because a big a big like uh, influence on this record, even though it is going to end up sounding like a rock album, uh, is just like 1950s and 60s soul music and like R and B, mostly for the rhythm and the groove. Um, and for that one, that's where we're going to hopefully get. Well, we'll definitely have piano on that as well, but um, but hopefully get an orchestra in just for a big for you know like an intro to kind of kick the song off. Um, yeah so that's so that's kind of like what i've been up to in terms of songwriting just kind of doing everything that i can before stepping into the studio um yeah what what drove that that kind of transition because if we take it back to like the first few eps and the first album there was like obviously the blues grounding to it has there been yeah. like what's kind of forced that development if anything so uh, i was actually it, it was a little concern of mine um between listening to the first album and the new stuff a few months ago because i was like fuck this is like this sounds more like the rolling stones than nirvana which was you know the only the two main comparisons i could make of you know my heroes of mine um the first record was very you know grunge influenced and grunge intensive and this new stuff is just like so freaking soulful and um like jam based, just like, you know, kind of like the Stones really, that kind of thing, because they are like, at heart, they're like a blues band. 
um, but it's moved in, in a, interestingly enough, it's, it's quite interesting that like the R sound has made it sound a little bit more like first record, not like, you know, we're not like uh, just kind of re replicating the Guitar Heroes. It's kind of, it's us that have made it sound like us, if that makes sense. Um, and I think the thing that took it into a more kind of like, well, took it in the direction that it did now is um, about a year and a half ago, um, uh, I, uh, I got contacted by a Black Power uh, like jam night in Hollywood. And they heard that I was going over there to do some like recording and things. Like I've got um, some time booked to record in a studio in the desert in Joshua Tree. And um, I think they'd seen one of my clips on Instagram of me just playing or like live. And they were like, are you like, and I think they saw like something else that I was planning on going to the States. And they were like, do you want to, you know, do you want to come down and like, play with us? And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and um, so I went there. Uh, it was, uh, so I didn't just fly out there to do this demo. I was flying out anyway. Um, and my family was with me and stuff. And um, did we have some friends with us? Or something? I can't remember exactly how many people were. So I showed up at this, um, I can't remember the address, but it was in West Hollywood, uh, which is um, quite an intense part of town. Um, and um, I showed up and the first thing was like, uh, they had to ID me and things like that. And I didn't have my, no, my ID, I, had a, I have a Welsh um, driving license. And they were like, what the fuck is this? Like, is this like, <laughs> like, like what is this like? It's like, you know, like, like, you know, like all this like Welsh shit. And they're like, what the is this real? Um, so anyway, I got, I managed to get my family in and one of my family members was underage at the time. He was like 16 or something. And um, so I went in and I kid you not, I was the only white fellow there and my family. It was just all like, uh, you know, uh, it was like a bit of, it's uh, their motto is they um, like celebrate like black excellence and like black support and things like that. So it was like, for me, just like, it was really beautiful, like seeing that amount of community immediately before I'd even spoken to anyone. And I've got to explain more about this place and tell you what it is, because it is mind blowing. So um, it's called The Juice Joint. And it was at the time, a rented out, um, it was a library cafe by day, and then like a venue by night. So there's like these amazing tall bookcases, wow. like, and like it was it was the most i can't describe it it sounds like made up but basically um it was 420 friendly so everybody was stoned and like uh basically how it works is uh you get a name tag you have to put your name on um because they're quite it's quite like a spiritual thing as well they want you to get rid of a bit of your ego when you go in there so everyone starts on the even playing field and like this was five minutes in for being <laughs> being in this place and my mind was just like I have literally stepped into heaven. Like, this is the <laughs> like, um, and then the night kind of, I was trying to still work out what this is. And it was very lively. It was packed. It just felt like a gig. And then this person called Auntie Mel took the mic. And I'm still like friends with her today. I'm friends with all the people I met there because they were so inspiring. And she kind of laid down the ground rules of what this place is. So it's basically like a jam night, like an open mic, but on steroids. Uh, you had people like, I think the night, the week before they had CeeLo Green go down there to like just get on stage. They had like, when I went there, they had Beyonce's bass player there, which was nuts. And they all start playing. And then you kind of start a little line of like a little cue to get up and play. And I was like, 
fuck, I can't play. It's like these guys and things like that. But uh, honestly, the, the spirit of the music, and it was all improvised, nothing was discussed. No, you can't ask what key anything's in. You just get out to play and you work, you work it out in the moment. And, you, and to, to, to revert back to the question of what made the leap, it was the absolute spirit of the groove just completely took over me. I was like, fuck, I've never experienced rhythm and melody in such an intimate and like instinctual way. And it just completely woke me up. It just like took me to the next level musically. And, um, and the, what's so amazing about the night is it goes on to like three or four in the morning, but like the music just gets stronger and stronger and stronger, like all through the thing. And, um, and then I left just completely like awake. And then I went and made this record in the desert, which was one of the demos uh, for the next album. It kind of got me in with Universal and things. And then I went back there just before I flew back and um, just to kind of say thank you for like what I'd experienced and you know experience it one more time before I came home and uh, there's a trick they do in the in the in the middle of the, in the middle of like show I guess that I carried on in the UK which is halfway through your set uh, you just get everyone to hug the person next to them and like in America at that <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly well I mean I've got my guitar right now <laughs> <laughs> But like when I saw that in America and politically at the time, it was beautiful. Like I was, I was there standing by, you know, like two like enormous black dudes, and like we just all like hugged each other. And I was like, I love you, man. And like it was just, it was the mo It was such a great reminder. That was what it was. It was such a great reminder that like ultimately, that's what it should be about: making music and loving each other. It's like that fucking simple. Um, and uh, so yeah, that was the most eye-opening experience that really sparked. Uh, the journey we took on. So, so when I came back to the UK, we we started playing shows in this kind of way, like very improvised and um, still heavy, and you know, still rock. But you know, hugging each other, <laughs> like getting getting the audience. The best thing was when we played the Garage, which was like an 800 capacity venue. And um, halfway through the set, we were only the support band. We made everyone hug each other <laughs> and then like finished the set. And um, uh, yeah, so so that was the the reminder to come back to groove and like you know like. Uh, spirit i guess without sounding like a dorky hippie and um then we got to 2020 uh the lockdown happened so i just spent three months in the middle of wales just playing guitar and just focusing on like just crew basically and like melody you know just just what it's all about good lyrics good choruses you know it's, that's all it's about and um boom by august yeah met, met up with the ceo of universal and then that leads us to now where we're just um organizing when we can get into the studio just to bang this thing out but honestly you're gonna freak when you hear what we've done <laughs> like it's just it's insane <laughs> like I'm just excited. like riff, man like i just insane and like um yeah if we can get you know like gospel like gospel singers in for some of the courses and things it'll be just yeah, how great. how did this uh universal uh you know getting signed on with universal how did that come around so um <clears throat> uh how'd that come around so i met so andy uh, my manager was just trying to basically find out how we can make a next record because obviously then you know there's practical elements that like you need a lot of money <laughs> you know like, yeah. you need yeah. money you need you need an agent you need all of these you need these things in place you need an um so we sent our stuff to um our first album to colin barlow who was um He's had a pretty amazing uh, life. He's been a and for a long time. 
And then at one stage, I don't think too long ago, he was the CEO of RCA and Polydor, um, like at the same time. And then recently, he's just been kind of like, just choosing bands that he wants to work with, um, kind of like independently from those two labels. Um, but still has like, like the producers we're working with are like uh, under Universal still. So he's still like connected to them that way. Um, but yeah, just, just, you know, my uh, manager emailed him on stuff and he was like, uh, really, really enjoyed it and just asked to meet up and we hung out for an afternoon and um, uh, yeah, we just spoke about what kind of album we wanted to make and he said, yeah, let's make an album that sounds like it comes from another planet. And then, you know, months down the line, we just got the songs in order and um, yeah, got uh, another meeting with them tomorrow just to, just to like logistically because of like the virus and everything, just work out how we can get loads of people in the studio and when we can get in there. And, um, but yeah, the actual recording process will not take too long at all. I am on tops. That's kind of what we've got told at the moment, six days a week for like four weeks. We'll where are you where are you recording you said you had a studio in london but oh uh, yeah so so we were going to do it with a white straight white stripes made um seven nation army um there was like just uh, some like just organizational issues um uh, on the engineers part we tried to <laughs> my manager was saying that he booked like two bands to record it the same day because he runs the studio and so we were like we can't wait around for this we can't like go somewhere else so um so it's one of those things when like you know life closes uh, a window he opens a door kind of thing do you know what i mean so um so we tried another option so i contacted james mottiser who um engineered our last single um i said like do you want to do you want to engineer the next record and he's like yeah okay, i'd be well up for that so and then he suggested this studio called the salton battery and it's owned by um alan Mulder and flood and they're the two geezers who like they mixed a lot you might know that, yeah they mixed yeah. like uh Biomuse dreams by smashing pumpkins and a lot of good records like that and um they've done they nine inch nails owned. as well i think they've done nine inch what, sorry? i think they've done nine inch nails as well yeah I that's the one yeah, yeah yeah there's um uh yeah like when you go in there's like all the records they make like killers sam's sam's tour is it or something sam's town mm. right uh, that killers album was made there or mixed there or something like that um but yeah so you step in it's in north london and it's just like the the like the naughtiness of rock and roll just like seeps like shoes <laughs> and up your spine and you start tingling and feeling all bad and um <laughs> yeah and then i went into the live room and i, I was like well, what's been made on this desk and um turns out that like two of the most important records of my life were made on which were london calling and um never mind the bollocks by the sex pistols and uh yeah all made on that desk and uh, there's a rumor that rocket man was also made on it and we will rock you so I'm just like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and, um, so that's the that's the main choice, or well, the first choice. And um, uh, my manager's on board with that. So uh, yeah, just just kind of like working out when we can get get in there as soon as possible and start with the single, uh, use that single to like you know raise a bit more awareness of what we're doing, and then um, and then yeah, just kind of go in for a month and just kind of bash the whole album up with it, kind of the plan. How long have you had a How long have you had a manager for? Um, it's a really good question. I think like as soon as I came back from California, so like right before COVID, I think just before COVID, something like that. So, so not like not like super long, but um, man, it makes such a difference having well having a good one because you hear these horror stories about like where like I don't know whether it just doesn't work out, but um. 
I, I definitely am. I'm a really, really firm believer in like patience is a virtue and like knowing that it's a good thing to say no sometimes because I got, uh, I've been offered like, you know, like record deals in the past, management deals in the past and they just, um, just, I don't know, it just hasn't felt quite right. I think I was waiting for someone who was purely into like, sounds really corny, but like, like just into the music. And I think there's a smart reason to that as well is because ultimately at the end of the day, nothing can stop a good song. Like the best marketing for your band is just good music. It's nothing yeah. more complicated. Um, and I was just waiting for, uh, for the right kind of people around that to understand that, to take, take this turns to where, where I was wanted it to be, which is just to play to as many people as possible and just have as much fun. Because at the end of the day, like why else do we go to gigs? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just to go and hear our favorite songs and, and have a good time. And, and hug um, people. Oh yeah. And what a shit time to like have that philosophy. It will be the best time soon because everyone's going to be craving yeah. hugs so bad. Well, this so is like, weird thing. Be We've been time. saying this about this band because like all, all the songs are really like uplifting. They're re really like, um, I mean, they're real. There's like some melancholic, sad elements to the songs. Like, uh, like there's uh, some, there's like hints to like uh, some grievances I had uh, in the past year, which which have really sucked. Um, uh, so, so there's so there's so there's reality underneath it, but it's quite an uplifting, happy record. Um, it's probably the happiest stuff I've made, interestingly. Um, and uh, yeah, so it could be a really good time uh, for. Um, this music to kind of uh, you know, be out there. Have you missed as well, like, you know, because last time I saw you, the only time we've kind of crossed paths, you, you had your own tour and stuff. And how, like, mm. how have you dealt with not even playing live at all? Because the, the last experience you had sounded like at this place and it sounded like the best experience and it all gets taken oh, away no, from it's you. Quite, it's quite frustrating. Like, um, the last, was like the last, all of the last shows. Uh, were all sold out so like wow. I was we, we ended on a really if we were having like a hiatus I guess like most bands have we ended on a really fucking good note you know um, so it's made me really excited to get back out there but it's really interesting like on a personal note not playing live is um, I didn't know it was affecting me until like recently and I realised so much I think it's probably the same for a lot of musicians who, are, who kind of like live and die like by the sword <laughs> uh, playing playing live is an enormous source of like self-esteem um and when you don't do it you kind of like question like oh like who am i like without my you know like without playing live or like performing or you know like who, who the fuck am i like i'm just you know not on stage so you kind of in many ways it puts you in a really really good place so that when you do go back out there you're a little bit more grounded you feel more confident because um you find out there's way more to you than just playing on stage, which is why I found. There's a lot did you, more to you than going on. Did you learn anything from that tour you had? The tour you, you went on around the UK? Did like what learning curve did you kind of go Do through you mean on that? The one I did when I met you or, or, or the last yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah, I think it was when that album came out, the that your first full album came out, you did a tour and it was your own headline tour, right? Yeah, that was uh, two thousand eighteen. Yeah man, that, that yeah. was a really interesting time because that was um at the same time I was doing that tour, uh, which was like, be like, probably if I could, if I could go back in time and just experience things one more time, because of how just, oh, I was just lovely. It was really special. It just felt special. We had a lot of serendipitous, special kind of things happen. 
uh, it'd be that time like over everything like going over like you know riding my bike for the first time like that was <laughs> probably one of the highlights of my life it was while I was I was also going through um, therapy at the same time so I was having learning these incredible things about like God, sound really lame but like myself and things like that and um and able to kind of like transfer all of this like positive stuff that I had going on inside to like you know lots of people and it was uh it was like wonderful because the the acceleration that followed that tour was insane um so it's the only the guy who helped organize it organize it said it was the only tour he's ever done of like a band's debut album where we didn't lose any money we didn't lose anything we only made money which is insane we were only playing like god like a one show i think we played the capacity was like 70 people or something but because we we filled every venue because i think each night all the all the towns were relatively close together so you could travel you know like um like we played in manchester and then london and then Guildford. and i think some guys saw us at manchester by a chance went to london for, i think he was working there and he came to see us that night and then just like because he felt like it london's Guildford was not too bad so he came to see us at Guildford and then drove back to london so he saw us three days in a row um and brought more people with him each time i can't remember the guy's name he's really cool he's a young dude you've actually and, got um, a groupie you what you're a real rock and roll star you've got groupies yeah <laughs> well actually that was the first time i came i came uh came unstuck with the heads i got unlucky the only downside to that tour is um i got some stalkers which was pretty weird like, <laughs> it was i'm not i don't want to like i don't want to be one of those people who's like oh like check out this really you know this, i'm not um what i'm trying to say i don't want to sound offensive to 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 them like at all but um yeah i just wasn't used to that level of um like me being really polite about stalkers like that used, used to yeah. that level of attention like one of them tracked down like uh my 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 mum's like uh home number like uh yeah like one of them knew what she was doing <laughs> like she was she was well equipped at this game um uh but um yeah i think that's yeah. a tricky thing like i wouldn't feel worried about you know dancing around your words because i think any normal person would find that a difficult thing to kind of like to experience is that for the first time totally i mean I, yeah i think it's just you know uh i'm not yeah i hope i'm not like no, the only reason I don't want to sound like rude is because, you know, like, I don't know what's going on in their personal lives. They might have really intense things going sure. on and assaulted them behaving that way or whatever. But like, um, uh, no, it was quite, it was quite, um, it was just a bit of a shock because, you, know, uh, you know, I've never dealt with, I didn't even know that stuff that kind of happened. Um, so, so, yeah, it was a bit, that's what I thought the acceleration was a bit rapid. And, um, uh, but yeah, back on to a more positive note. Um, you know, see, just just seeing like the the like like the supports of our music grow within like because that tour was about three months in total, uh, with little little breaks in between, um, and it resulted in you know then supporting like bigger bands and um, getting to perform for like um, people I really looked up to at the time. So like um, we uh, it became like I guess like noticed by like uh, Sam Fender's band. Who at the time I I was. I, I adored that first album of his so much and just the singles and things and um, it resulted in us, they reached out to us and we came from uh, kind of like Chatterstone and then um, we played in, we played our date, our like our 
the, we kind of like debuted in um, Newcastle in September uh, of that year, was it the year after, probably the year after actually. And um, yeah, got to play, play for like Sam and like all his friends in this tiny venue and it was quite surreal, just like playing to another band. And um, yeah, so, but it was all, all of those like amazing connections and friendships happened uh, from just the, the, like the goodness that that tour kind of oozed, you know. I mean, it does highlight the importance, right, for, for small young bands that being out there and playing music in front of people is just, like, essential. Yeah, it is. It's like, uh, that was the other thing. It's like, I, it was a good time for me to do my homework on what kind of, like, what works live and what doesn't work. I don't think, um, I think what really works if, like, this ever gets into the hands of, like, as wanting to start playing live. Um, be as humble as possible because like there's nothing more kind of like off-putting than like a band that comes on with an ego because like some of the bands that were supporting us uh or like we were supporting like they'd walk on with this like not a swagger by any means like this i don't know just like this this funny vibe and it would it would be a little bit too macho and it kind of like it just kind of puts you off like you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't bring you it well, it's not warm that's it it's quite cold behavior and then uh which you see a lot actually um and then it's it's kind of my reason why so few bands kind of make it to the next step is because they don't they don't get that and then the bands that really inspired me like uh there's this band called the dead reds and they're they're relative they're considered a, i guess they're like a, a, a newish band but they give off such a such a welcoming kind of like vibe that right from the get-go, everybody's on board because they feel really like, they, they feel like they can stand and watch this, you know, because they're like, these are nice guys, so I'm obviously going to enjoy what they're doing. So that's probably the thing I'd probably say, like, like do everything with like a humble attitude and it will just, it just gets, it just gets you to where you belong, really, not where you want to get, you know, there's a lot of that kind of like, I want to climb the ladder. Like some of the conversations you hear backstage are just like, fuck, like you should be on The Apprentice, man. You shouldn't be like, <laughs> Like they're so like, and that's how we'll network this thing. And then there's an after party. So let's go there. So but meanwhile, there's like me and my, my bad. You're like, how can we get as drunk as fucking possible? <laughs> so like, like just focused on the important stuff in life. And, um, and not that, you know, we're succeeding to uh, astronomical uh, extents, but, you know, at least we're making, well, at least I'm making a living out of it now. Um, and I think being humble has an enormous part to play or, or like, you know, tr or uh, like I, I intend to be humble, you know. Do, do you know yeah, as well, you, you say, yeah. you know, you, you're saying you're not, you're not successful to any extent or, but you are doing it full time for a living. And also the main thing is, is you're about to make a record in a studio, a record that you love. And yeah, in a, as a musician, I think that's the definitive of how being successful, right? You're about to make the tunes you really are fucking into right now. Yeah, well, that's kind of goes back to that, um, I'm like a I'm like a thorough um, thorough student um, to uh, like trusting like the universe and just like trusting life or whatever. Like I don't like I don't believe I know best by any means. I think that you know like if this thing created evolution on its own, then what what on earth do I know that's <laughs> yeah. better than that? You know like. I don't really know how to engineer a plant to photosynthesize. The universe does it perfectly, you know, like, so I trust that life knows best. Uh, and my only job is to be as good a person as possible. And that's, that's the best in my, in my kind of view, that's kind of like the best kind of, um, 
recipe. And um, going back to the studio, why, yeah, why it kind of, to me, it's very successful is that to work on that desk where, you know, like, never mind, like, God Save the Queen was made on that desk. Like, that's, for me, that's like perfect success. Yeah. And I did it without even kind of knowing. You know, that's like, that's like really exciting to me. And all of this kind of, you know, energy just results in good music ultimately. Well, that's the, thing. the goal is great music and that those yeah. accolades are coming now as you know yeah. the music is good that is the the main focus as you said yeah definitely. yeah do you so feel do like you're sorry ben you go man. well and you go cap you go no i was gonna say do you feel like your community like you know your community fans they res they respond to that attitude you're just talking about there like you you know do you think they sh are in line with you and they share those kind of feelings towards stuff <laughs> um uh, I, I, I don't know, like, I guess so. I mean, um, our fan base is like really, um, really broad. Like, um, I think on the whole, it's mostly like people like 18 to 25, kind of like come and see us and things like that. Uh, people who are trying to figure it out, you know? Um, but like, we've got a lot of fans, like, like I'll get like videos of like 12 year olds and like, uh, I think New York, you know, playing like some of my songs. So like, you know, there's it's a really, uh, or then much older people like in their sixties who kind of hear the Hendrix influence and things like that. And um, uh, yeah, I think the one message that seems to seems to kind of resonate, um, not that I've mastered it by any means, because I've been an absolute dickhead in my life at some points. I'm sure I'll do it again soon. But like, just trying to be nice. Like, just try, at least you're trying, like, you know, and like, with every, every bit of art that you do, um, try to make sure the, the, the you know, the, um, the give it gives is something good, you know, and, you know, like, yes, you can, you can question that um, from a philosophical point of view, like, you know, good is uh, subjective and all of that stuff, but um, I think we kind of all agree that, like, love's the answer. <laughs> like, um, uh, so that's kind of, I think the one thing that people have stuck around for, because that is a, um, that's something that always um, feels nice, you know, that's something that feels good. You know? um, and uh, so that's kind of like the one thing that's resonated from my whole journey, that's resonated the most and kind of like snowballed the most, like particularly with the hugging thing live. That was pretty mind blowing to see that, like the last show we did, which was Yaki. Yeah, Eight or nine hundred people, just you know, all strangers hugging each other. It's just like fucking powerful, <laughs> like you know. And and to think that you know, if we can, with the support of um, Colin and Andy and and the producers, you know, if we can do that to like you know, like a festival field, or like you know, like get to play Glastonbury next year, like on a on like the Radio One stage, should we get some radio play? That would just be magic. You know what I mean? And um, and I think the and I also think the humble thing. Like not being like messianic about it, like oh, I made this happen, fuck yeah, just to be a part of it. Do you know what I mean? Just to be like a one with the audience, like just so we're all on the same page. Like that's a really special feeling, and that's um, I think that level of like uh, just like it's kind of it's quite a punk attitude for like a punk fan to have that, because like you know with like rock and things like that, like usually it's like. God damn it, I need to go to the dry cleaners and get my biker jacket, like steams, like, you know, I've got, I need to look right for this thing. Like, you know, like, <laughs> our, our message is to kind of like, 
uh, mutilate like the ego as much as possible and get in touch with the soul as, as, as much as you can, um, just for your own happiness, pretty much. But yeah, that's that kindness thing and like community thing that's probably resonated the most. And, um, and also like on the more political note, like uh, particularly the last kind of like year, uh, the amount of like uh, indecencies that have happened in some audiences, um, things like fights, um, people, you know, having some attention from people that they don't want to have attention for, if you know what I'm saying, like technical harassment basically, it just kind of stops that. It's like, hang on, we're going to get off on a good foot, you know, if we're going to be in this, you know, if it's like with moshing and things like that, which still happens a lot of our shows, um, it's just, it's going to be a little bit more mindfully done so that, you know, like girls don't feel afraid, guys don't feel afraid as well. And you know, everybody feels a bit safer and happier. It's just a better, it just makes a better gig, man. Um, and that's how we sell out the venues and that's how I afford the Ferraris. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, it just makes, it makes it a more friendly environment. Cause like, um, I don't know if you guys saw, I think it was Slaves posted a, a thing a while ago, just about like at their shows, like they had to like pull out, pull up a couple of people in the audience who were like behaving indecently towards, um, like young women and it's just like fuck guys come on like we don't need to that's not what should be happening no. we've, yeah, um, should we've be an escape because you know life's hard enough yeah like, you don't need that you know like yeah so um we've pretty extensively about that haven't we i mean we've even done, done a bit of an episode around around how how people feel on that so but do you feel um do you feel an air of responsibility as the man on stage in control yeah totally. responsibility and just in my personal life as well like um uh, just because of the way it is um people in bands get a little bit more of an easier ride romantically <laughs> and um but that doesn't mean that you can it doesn't mean by any means that you can abuse that power or like not power but like abuse that position like because sure. you know like um so i've i've tried to carry that be as mindful as possible in my own life um uh to just be responsible with you know like other people's feelings and boundaries and things like that uh particularly romantically and yeah and then to carry that on stage um you know like i don't want i don't want anyone to not you know like kiss the person they have a crush on like at the gig like that's so exciting like i remember when i was much younger like like there was who, did I, oh, who was it that i like oh there was this one girl i'm not gonna say her name because like before <laughs> we get your name uh, dropped ended up <laughs> and it was like so embarrassing but like we used to go to gigs together i'd be like oh, tonight like after the gig like i'm gonna tell her how i feel and like do all that stuff and i, I got shot down terribly but like so so like <laughs> gigs are a really romantic thing to to go to and um so that's why it doesn't it's it's really it's just a shame when you know, they turn into these like exploitive kind of um arenas for people with quite um unfair agendas um and so that's why i think it's you know my job uh as like a ringleader to be like um you know romance yes but you know like being unfair no we don't want that <laughs> so like um so that's why it's important to hug everyone because yeah you're being affectionate but like we're all doing it together and it's and it's to make sure that no one gets hurt because you know there's also that aspect in mosh pits where you know, people go down and like 
they can get trapped. Like I've been, tra I've been punched in the face several times in mosh pits by accident, or maybe on purpose. I don't know. Um, so it's to stop that as well. Um, yeah, I saw my brother get punched in the face at a gig once, and like my reaction was like I laughed. I was like, "Fuck! Why do I laugh?" Like I was like, <laughs> I think it was just because like I don't know how it happened. Like it was just because I saw it like in slow motion. I was like. But the culture of mosh pits should help them up, right? I was just saying the culture of mosh pits should really be like, you know, you help them up as well. Like that's that's kind yeah, of the Which on the whole, which on the whole is is brilliant. But you know, then again I've I've been to like some metal shows and like you can kind of just spot that like somebody so there's some people there who do go just for a bit of a scrap and it's just yeah. like, oh, man. no place for it. Like, yeah, it's just like, you're going to have a better time not doing that, so don't do yeah. it. <laughs> you know? sure. Yeah, That's the idea. Talking about mosh pits, living room mosh pits, have you done any, like, online shows or anything like that? Oh, it, that's a great, <laughs> uh, anything, uh, like... great... Um, yeah, I've done, like, um, I've done, like, masterclasses, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm doing, like, a filmed one uh, in a couple of weeks uh, for um, this company called Udemy. But like they buy like 15 lessons and someone somebody buys 15 lessons and i'm just doing it like uh teaching all of that like um whereas the thing i know probably most like thoroughly is like the chicago blues so that's like things like You could get a slap on the wrist. Yeah, well, it's going to send um, Universal after the, the little LES yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doing, um, so yeah, doing things like masterclasses, lots and lots of lessons. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of shows in the first lockdown. Um, can't remember how many, but yeah. How did you find it? How did I find it? Um, first one, shit. <laughs> like I, I was like I just, like I was wearing my pajamas and like I thought it was going to be really relaxed but it wasn't there was like more people than I was expecting <laughs> so it became a bit embarrassing to be really honest I was underprepared and I just made a fool of myself to be honest uh, but then the second one was sick I just treated it like gig and it just yes yeah, it, it was really fun and um, you yeah it's for a venue that I love as Sorry? Did you miss that connection between the audience? Well, that was something that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of, I realised, got, got me quite down, is like, not that I, like, need, you know, like, in a dependent kind of way, but, like, I um, I just think I belong around a lot of people. I'm just one of those kind of guys. Like, like just not being able to go to the pub, like, I kind of, if I had my way, I would just live in the pub in the day and then play a gig to a few people. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hopefully I will in a couple of months. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I just, I, I just love being around people, man. Like, um, what do you call that? A multi-dependent, interdependent, an interdependent person. I just, just need to be around people. Don't, don't really care who they are. Just, um, yeah, just, just like, just like people. 
Do you think being in a band helps that, right? So you so. Uh yeah, it does. You, uh, we've all become marvelously close, particularly in this creative process, and they've um, uh, they were my best friends anyway. But particularly with this like um, breakup I had, and um, other things I've been through this this year, like my nan dying, and lo lots of really like intense things. Um, those two. Muppets have been like it's like how do I describe them like rocks it's like absolute rocks and um every time I see them uh I have to now like eat my food and drink my food separate to them because like they just have a way to like make me just like spit everything like everywhere <laughs> like so I'm not even joking like we'll start having lunch and then one of them will say so I'll be like right that's it quick the next time like because like they just they just know how to get me there they just know how to make me just like just like roll around on the floor like with laughter um and like fuck man if if that's what you're starting with as a band like the chemistry and everything just really transfers um and it, and uh i've i've never actually been a member of another band i've, I've been like helped people out in bands and like wrote with them and things like got them going and things I've never been in another band, but both my other members have been. And they were like, I've never experienced a band where we don't have any arguments, no kind of like disagreements. There's no like little, you know, like in bands, there's like little kind of like power struggles and things like that. Um, there is on a practical level, we split everything three ways. Even though I guess I do the majority of everything, we just split everything three ways because um, it just kind of psychologically makes you feel uh, not the same, but like like you're not being mistreated by in any way uh, on the, from same the most level. practical element, um, and uh, it just kind of from there on up, it just kind of carries itself through. Um, yeah. I mean, so how long have you been with these guys now, right? Because oh, Nick, it's quite well. So I've, like... I've known I've known Nick since I was sixteen. And then, um, so that's like nine, nine, eight or nine years. And, um, and uh, then we started playing live when I was like 18 or 19. And then I've known Guy for two years and he's been in the band about a year and shit, maybe two years. It'll be two years in May. No, it'll be two years on Star Wars Day, May the 4th. <laughs> uh, is that next Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's how long I've known you. Did you? So you obviously you say you split things three ways, but the writing process, how does that work? Because obviously a lot of it, like you say, a lot of it is your ideas, and and lyrically, I yeah. guess, is that all yours as well? Yeah, it's all mine. Yeah. Um. Uh. I mean, like, not sound like a raving music, but like I. I'm such a hippie. I I I don't believe that there's like um, I don't believe that you write the song. I believe that the song already exists, and your mission is to uh, patiently kind of like exercise it out um, and kind of bring it into the world. That's kind of what musicians do. All of these ideas, all of these messages, and things have been around for years. Sorry, <laughs> uh, and um, are we back? Is that sorry? Was that me? Are yeah, yeah I think it's all working now. Sorry, guys. I, th I thought it was you guys. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah. So, um, 
so I, so I, I don't know. I, I don't really view it as like a cred, uh, traditional kind of thing. I don't think that I wrote it all. Like I just kind of helped it come into being um, <laughs> more than my other two bandmates. Um, but uh, how it works is I'll just, you know, I'll be, okay, so I'll play, for example, like um, if we take a, if we take an idea like this um, song called The Meaning of Life, which is um, like probably my favorite song on the, on the record. I was just playing around in my bedroom with these three chords. And all, all of like the songwriting process for me begins like this. I will literally, in my head, but it doesn't feel like it's in my head, it feels like it's in the three-dimensional world. Here, like someone's playing it down the corridor, the melody, and I'll just be like, oh. So then I came up with this. And then, and then the same kind of process will begin when I take this idea to the band. We'll just be like hearing it and we're like, uh, da, da, da. and then Guy will just kind of tune into the way that I'm expressing myself by just kind of listening. And so he just did this. So if I hum that, bum, 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 just creates this texture and then obviously the groove just has to be just like as fat as you can go and then when you go to the chorus just kind of change the percussive pattern um, fucking unreal man yeah it's a good riff that one it's yeah. live music i tell you what <laughs> i'm excited for this album now and i feel like the three of us are going to be there first gig we'll be there and anyone who's listening to this i imagine will be there after you've just given that little construction I'm of that really tune. fucking naff singing but like just because i'm like tired <laughs> like, <laughs> i'll be wearing oh. this uh, t-shirt yeah it's that kind of um that's like <laughs> all the songs that same kind of just like just through feel. Organic. It's like an organic, pretty organic process, right? Yeah, and I, I, think, I imagine. I think in a, you absolutely hit the nail on the head without me kind of like being an artsy fartsy dork about it. Like, it's about listening to the science. Like, it's organic. It's organic. It's organically written stuff. No, no. I don't think, uh, I don't think you are artsy fartsy. I think what 
that was their kit was you were a musician and I'm a a fucking idiot who doesn't know anything about music and that was the difference between the two analysis of of that there so we've we've spoken quite a bit about like previous gigs and a few like online shows and stuff like that have you got anything lined up in terms of a tour tour, so this is probably the most exciting thing is um uh so yeah just independent from other bands yeah we're just um just booking like you know a handful of shows to get started and and there's many festivals that are open but there is a bit of like a a doomsday theory that festivals are saying they're open this year's uh, this year to um to kind of get the ticket sales yeah and then they'll kind of pull the plug last minute and say see you next year um so i i'm skeptical of pop festivals um <clears throat> but yeah we've been booked for uh some and we're like um well like we're in the booking process for some and and waiting out for the ones that have already announced they're going next year. So like Glastonbury is the main one that we really, really are excited to to play. Because um, it's it just seems it seems the most suitable, I think. Um, but obviously like, you know, Reading and Leeds we want to play this year and stuff like that, but it doesn't look like it's happening. Um, just is Glastonbury year. happening? Are, are you on Glastonbury, do no, you know? So or? Glastonbury's not happening this year, no, they... they no, I mean you. I mean you playing, uh, do you know that, whether or not we it's... We don't know for sure yet, no. Because no. we also don't know like, we, with the live thing we just don't like we get like we get like your guess is as good as mine as to yeah. whether they're going to go ahead really um uh but that's the one i'll be the most like looking for when it happens glassy is the one i'll be most looking forward to stepping yeah, yeah. To. Oh, like that. um but in terms of tours um and again it depends on the virus and kind of like release dates and things like that but um uh we're hoping to support Pithy Clyro in November on their tour they're doing, uh, which for me, yeah, but like I said, hoping because it depends on like a couple of like variables. Um, but that's like the one that we're most, what well, I'm most looking forward to because um, they're at, like really nice sized venues. So like all the O2 academies and things. Um, so I'm just like praying that that gets to go ahead. Because, like, to support someone like Simon, um, who, like, as a person is just, like, such an inspiration because he really represents that, like, like, if you've ever seen interviews on him and stuff like that, he's just such a nice, he just comes across such, like, such a decent down-to-earth guy. That's really inspiring. Um, and then, like, lyrically, I mean, he wrote, like, Many of Horror, which is, like, oh, my days, but I can't get over that song. It's so perfectly composed, like... From a from a from a writer's point of view, it's like I I would compare it to like you know one of my favorite songs of all time, you know it's um, or like put it up as one of my favorite songs of all time. So so that's the thing I'm most looking forward to live potentially. It's um it just depends on a couple of couple of things that um, my manager's trying to trying to work out. For me. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Funny story about Biffy Clyro when <laughs> they played Sin City in Swansea like before. Like way before, like when they were when they were big, they uh, they stayed at my cousin's house. You put them up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And now they're obviously like one of the world's biggest rock bands, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah, they had a bit of a smoke up, I think, when they got home. But yeah. Actually, I don't know if this. I hope this doesn't air to too many people. Well, like I hope it does, but at the same time, I hope that they don't. Like, <laughs> don't worry. Someone yesterday, on my say, like recently, at, um, at like a film shoot, and they were like, "Oh yeah, like my uh, 
I want to say sister or something like this guy um he came to me we were talking about everything I was telling him about this like you know, fingers crossed we get to this thing and if it goes ahead I'll let you I'll give a try with cuts so you can come and watch and he's like oh yeah my friend had like a three-way with the whole of Biffy Clare I was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I was like shit um and I was like how how was it and she was like yeah they were all really nice about it and like, was like yeah, that's so weird um yeah so um yeah, yeah where do we go from there people. I like that <laughs> what, as well as touring we obviously we spoke a fair bit about your like upcoming album what so what's the what are the time frames for that when are you like obviously you're going into the studio soon or do you know anything more than that um so time frames so like obviously it's you know i guess it's not I've set in stone released, yeah so um i feel a bit useless really in answering this because i've never i've never worked with um a label before so i don't really have a clue like what the standard protocol is um but um so everything uh, before this album was released independently, was it? Uh, oh man, so that, that was, that's what, again what made that whole period so wonderful is um, we funded that album by um, uh, what, like as many shows as we had before, but um, through like selling drawings. That's like how we funded it, which was like mad. Um, so I'd like make one of my drawings, like really dark ones and like, um, just, I got really lucky and I, I, ha I was working at the time, where was I working? Oh, I was working in a bookshop, um, uh, which is a very funny story and got lots of funny anecdotes about working there, but I don't like, like disclose some of those. Um, but like, um, uh, I used to basically like, uh, so I was very politically charged at the time and like there were some books, like really right wing books that they sold, which, um, advocated free speech but they were like chapters on like why it's like wrong to be gay and things in there so i took it upon myself to get all of these copies of these books and i just used to draw massive penises and, <laughs> and i just to tell them to people knowing full well that they were like these veiny triumphant things in there and i'd be like i'd say i remember this one guy came in and he picked it up he's only a young guy probably a bit younger than me at the time so you know like 19 picked up this book by roger scruton who was um in my opinion, like a nasty piece of work. He, like he really doesn't favour like homosexuality at all, but puts it on other people that it's wrong, and I think that's unfair. And um, so I said to the guy, like before he put, I said, "You do know there's a chapter in here which is homophobic," and he was like, "Everybody's got their own views." That was his response. So not only were there like, you know, lots of penises in his book, <laughs> but I'd taken a lot of time to draw my lunch breaks. I charged him an extra quid for it. So yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Like, even like that, it's not okay. Anyway, but <laughs> moving on from my criminal behavior, like um, timeframes uh, and how we funded, oh no, how we funded the first album. So we funded it uh, through, yeah, selling drawings, artwork, and me working with a bookshop. Mm -hmm. um, and then the tour paid for itself on ticket sales and merch. Um, and then that, uh, then turned into some of the bands um, that we've made asking for guitar lessons. And then, so I've been doing that from then until now. That's kind of like I hear, put petrol in the car and put food on the floor. That's kind of like my bread and butter, doing that. And then, and then now, yeah, just like um, doing like artwork commissions for people, like designing record covers for other kind of like metal bands and, and rock bands. And, um, and yeah, playing shows and just kind of, other bits and bobs just from being creative really um but so when it comes to releasing this one it would depend on what the release strategy is of 
uh, colony and his A&R in the thing. Um, but the aim, the only known date at the moment is to have like a, a release uh, ready before like you know, the lockdowns is in June. So that's probably when you'll hear the first, the first tune, um, which I know what it is. It's, it's going to be perfect. It's called Light at the End of a Tunnel by Perfect Chance. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really good. And then I'd imagine maybe just like dropping singles, you know, uh, every so often. And then it'd be nice to have the album out by spring next year, probably. But um, I'll probably have a draft of it ready way before then. So I'll send it to you guys just so you've got a copy so you can listen to it. In the cars yeah. That was sick. We'd be cool to get you back on, you know, once the album's been released and things have developed oh, a bit is, more. Yeah. You, you played some show. That'd be, I think that'd be, that'd be a fun conversation. Should we, should we get stuck into the playlist then whilst we're on yeah, this? Sure, uh, yeah. Let's do it. So yeah, Kit, what was your, what's your first choice? Um, probably Jumping Jack Flash, I think. Yeah. Bang on. Is that a, is that a big tune for you, like kind of influence wise? Um, enormously, like just like, like just the vibe it comes, they, they just like delivers this like energy straight away and just like builds. And um, if you've ever seen like the Stones live when they play this, like, yeah, just everybody gets like just higher and higher as the song plays out um, without the aid of anything, do you know what I mean? Just through like the energy the music gives off. So like, yeah, that's, that's like, it's a super inspiring track to listen to for me. They're so exciting to watch live, aren't they? When we went- Oh my days. Like the excitement in the air as they came on was I, what I could only imagine would be if you were like 15 and you were a girl at a One Direction gig. <laughs> I was surrounded, right, by grey-haired men in their 60s like and 70s. Freaking out. Exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it was so where, good. Where did you see them? Uh, the Millennium, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the Millennium. Ah, I, saw, I saw them there. Wait, when did you see them? Like 2005? No. Uh, this one, that gig. There when I was like 10 or something. It was like 2017, yeah. Oh, right. And I saw them in Hyde Park as well yeah, then, I, 2014. Yeah, yeah was, I went to one of the Hyde Park ones as well. So yeah. Sick. I remember Gimme Shelter and uh, Mick Jagger and, um, oh, what was the name? Lisa Fisher? Fisher's definitely the surname. Yeah. Like going around in circles singing at each other. Was, oh, <laughs> no, Mick Jagger in his suit and black trainers. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, what's your uh... like a Thunderbird puppet, Al, doesn't he? Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> a great shot. <laughs> Tune now. Uh, my tune is uh, Ron Gallo, Young Lady. It's a tune, right? It's a tune. The guy's taller than me and he's got better hips than me and a better way. <laughs> <laughs> and he can play the guitar. It's just like, it's just a good tune. And uh, yeah, that's my favorite one. Hey, that's what you, you look like when you get 10 points in it. Oh, do oh, I? Yeah. Well, I feel like I've got the confidence <laughs> that I have. But yeah. I'm going to go listen to him now every morning. <laughs> Woo! 
What's yours? Um, I'm going for um, a song by the West Coast pop art experimental band. So it's like a uh, late 60s sort of psych vibe. And the song is Smell of Incense from their second album. It's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, the first and second albums are both brilliant. Uh, yeah, man. I haven't, I haven't heard someone pull the, them up in years. Like, they're fucking great, man. Yeah. Really underrated. Like, people don't listen to them as much as, like, I'm so, like, I'm surprised, like, like, yeah, that you, like, you even know about them. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones, you know, it's usually people who dig up, dig for the vinyls of buying that sort of stuff, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah, then it's it. not, you know, it's not the sort of thing you stumble across on a YouTube algorithm. Doesn't get into yeah. your spice, no. yes. <laughs> Hidden gem. What's yours, uh, Mark? Yeah, I've uh, I've I've kind of I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's a rule or anything, but I've gone for the same band as I did the last episode. But who gives a fuck? I um I went for Sweet Madeline by Bright Light Social Hour. I gave Ooh, gave right. this um this one a spin to Bane the other week when we were a bit boozed. Um, it's good, man. It's just got a, a bit of spacey keys in there. Drums are great. Yeah, it's a good builder. And it makes you feel like I'd play it on like a good clear summer's evening and you can see a lot of stars basically. That'd be my advice. Fit for a pink supermoon for sure. Yeah. 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 Kit, back to you, man. Uh, Rude Child by Hendrix. Yeah, that's spot on. Studio version. That hi hat on the intro. Oh my days! <laughs> pattern as well. Sorry, I don't want to get like too lame about it, but like, man, if you ever, from a production point of view, if you ever listen to how sparse that recording is, it basically is just like it's just guitar but panned. Uh, through like, I, can't, I think it's called split stereo or something, where it just like continuously moves from left to right. And then like the bass is solo in the mix, the drums are like almost non-existent and then just loads of shaker and that's it. Buttons back to you, up. My next one, what's my next one? Oh, Wolf Alice, Giant Peach. This was put back on my radar oh, last week, is it? When, when, when Annie Mack went out to retirement. Oh, I say retirement. Stepping, Stepping down. down from her show. It was the first song she ever played on her show. So um, that's what it was put back on my radar. But yeah, just big fan. Do you I know what? Like, it's crept up on me how big a fan I was of them. I didn't realize, but yeah, I quite like this stuff. Glasgow headliners for me. Yeah. 
we did speak yeah. about that in the episode i think they'd rock it yeah i agree actually for the next kind of generation for sure and a, and a tune like that like it would have been the perfect one for animat to like put it's got like a great entrance tune i think i'd open a set with that yeah kind of it's got a great intro would that be your walkout if you were a boxer hundred percent yeah hundred <laughs> percent So I'm going for uh, the song name is Love and the band is Country Blowing the Fish. So I'm sticking with uh, quite like, you know, that late 60s, early 70s psych vibe. Just, uh, yeah, keep me straight. It's a sick one. Such a raspy voice on the singer, man. So good. Fits the playlist well, I think, this week. It's a good choice. And to to you, me, yeah. is it? Yeah, I've, I don't know if you guys have watched the documentary. I don't know if you have Kit searching for Sugar Man. Oh, my days. I, I, I feel like such a mucker. I still have never watched it. But the amount of people that have told me to. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I don't know. Have you boys watched it, Al Bain? I have not. No. It, I don't know. I won't give too much away, but it's kind of like there was this, this guy in Detroit in the 60s and he was like in the folk scene. And... Um, you know, he like released an album and then no one kind of, it kind of never, he never made it and no one heard from him again. He kind of disappeared from the face of the earth and unbeknownst to him, he was massive in South Africa, like absolutely yeah. huge. And uh, they, uh, they kind of idolized him through a load of old tapes that kind of circulated. And then he was contacted like 34 years down the line. It was like, did you realize your album Cold Fact is huge in South Africa and he like announced a tour and he did a massive tour around South Africa and he was like 60, 70 years old. And the album's insane. It's really good. So um, I picked the tune off that called I Wonder. But um, it's a really great album. Yeah, It's a great, it's a great, um, I I was told to watch it as well. But, and unfortunately I've given it away, but like I didn't, you know, I had no idea where it was going. I thought that I kind of, bought the storyline that was being told that he kind of disappeared and then you just see this old dude rocking a tour it's unreal Finish us up. Um, yeah, I think it was 20th Century Boy by T Rex. These are all like, like just like dad tunes, but like <laughs> again, like classics, man. You can't, you can't fight a good tune, no man. Yeah, they've stood the test of time for a reason. Yeah, yeah.
comes to mind is have you guys ever heard Royal Blood's cover of 20th Century Boy? No. no. Oh man, it is brilliant. Yeah, there's like some clips on YouTube of them like doing it at like um on oh the days. I think it was somewhere like Oslo in London or something. Really like relatively small venues like a few years ago. Oh, it's cracking. Yeah, definitely worth checking it out. And um yeah, have you guys listened to their new stuff? I haven't actually. No, I've I've I only I've heard like clips of it. I've heard troubles coming through the start yeah. to finish, but like it's I wasn't. Not it's not bad actually. It's pretty good. Tr- troubles coming. I wasn't overly keen on, but like yeah, same. Not, I wasn't too into that one. It's like the, the they had a track produced by Joshua Homme from from Queens. Yeah. Um, called Boilermaker, I think it is. Um, I'll double check the stats on that, but yeah, my friend told me that it was like produced by Josh. Um. Uh, and yeah, that that one's really good. Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty talented boys, those two, aren't yeah. they? Fair play. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, everything Josh has produced has kind of always been pretty decent and pretty like dark as well. He puts his name yeah, in some good stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. Did you guys ever listen to the Iggy Pop record in there? Yeah. Held us on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. good, that, that, that record. That tune, uh, Sunday, on that record, I really liked. Paraguay is pretty sweet. Where he goes on yeah. that rant about like musicians with laptops. Yeah, shove, he's like shoving your computer <laughs> yeah, down your fucking, fucking throat. Fucking laptop down your motherfucking throat. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, he's just having a go. People, and he stop. I swear, he starts bringing up like airport security and like laptops. It's really funny. I kind of get where he's going. Like, he's probably just like frustrated that like, I don't know. Frustrated that people don't make music on these anymore. You know, stuff. I, I get it. I definitely get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I love the fact he's just airs out his laundry and uh, any opportunity <laughs> as well, doesn't he? <laughs> like he loves it. But yeah, five, Kit, it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. I've really enjoyed yeah. chatting to you. I'm looking forward to the record. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. It's, it's been, been a very cathartic evening. Say that again? It's been a very cathartic evening, mate. Really oh, cool. Yeah, likewise. It's been it's been really fun. It's been a great way to end the day. And that's it. LES in conversation with Kit Trigg done. Big ups to Kit Trigg and thank you very much for listening. Keep an eye out for his album later this year. It'll be a banger. Sit down and soak it up. Mm-hmm.